This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by Family Planning Victoria. FPV has been running for over 50 years now. We run a whole lot of education programs for communities and medical professionals across Victoria. We also run sexual health clinics in the city and Box Hill in Melbourne. My name is Anne and I'm part of the FPV schools and community team. We go to schools and run classes for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, reproduction, relationships. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. According to the Australian Institute of Family Studies website, about 11% of Australian gay men and 33% of lesbians have children. This figure is from 2013, so I'm guessing that statistics have changed considerably since then. The idea of a rainbow family, I think, has changed over the last few decades from an uncommon occurrence to a very mainstream family arrangement. And yet, it is in recent history that same-sex parented families have had to defend their rights during the public discourse around marriage equality. Today I'm talking to Olivia. Olivia and her partner have a daughter together and they make a proud rainbow family. I'd like to ask Olivia if she does feel that she has to defend her family from prejudice and if marriage equality has made a difference to how people perceive the idea of family. Also, if her own idea of what a family has ever changed. Olivia, thank you so much for talking with me and doing uh, the podcast interview with me. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Anne, for having me. Um, My first question, we're going to talk about rainbow families today. Would you be able to tell me a little bit about your family? Sure. Um, My family consists of my partner, Sandra, and our daughter, Emily, who's about three and a half years old. We moved to a little rural town on the New South Wales-Victoria border about two years ago. Um, And we have a Jack Russell pup named Bingo and four chooks who Emily named Clucky Lucky, Henny Penny, Janet and Rita. So bluey feature in our family names. My kids are too old to get those references. Oh, really? (laughs) When you were little, if someone asked you to draw a family, what would you draw? I would draw my immediate family, which consists of my my mother and father and my two sisters I'm the middle child when thinking about this question um, I guess I was reflecting on how late it was uh, until I accepted that I was gay and I was 18 and I literally had to look in the mirror say I am gay and and hear my voice and see my face once in my life my brain actually uh fell silent for a bit (laughs) for a few seconds um, and didn't you know do the usual storytelling of you know denying that or repressing it somehow so I guess uh yeah I've been thinking about that but also I remember coming home from school in year 10 so it would have been about 15 or 16 after watching something in science class where um they were talking about egg orientated women uh, freezing their eggs so they could have babies later in life. And I just really loved that idea so much that when I came home, I, I promptly told my mother that that's what I would do. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't need uh, a man in my life to have children. I could be a single mum, although I don't think I used those words. I was focusing more on the technology and, you know, and then I proceeded to tell her that I, you know, would, would never live and settle in the same postcode (laughs) Um, 
whole family kind of reside and needless to say she wasn't too thrilled with with all of that but um but it, it did certainly uh feel exciting to know that um the a different a different structure was available to available yeah. exactly right yeah yeah that's right so mm. yeah so despite those traditional ideas and what you were modelled growing up, mm-hmm. that was a new idea that you thought, okay, there's a different way of doing this. Absolutely. And, yeah, I remember doing some assignments about IVF babies, you know, at uni and stuff. So, you know, um, certainly chose to to delve deeper into, into understanding all that uh, quite early on, you know, years before I actually started on the, you know, baby-making journey, I guess. Yeah. Can you explain what the idea of a rainbow family means to you? Uh, To me, it's a really broad term. I guess uh, very basically a rainbow family is just a bit queer in some way. And I use that word uh, in a positive affirming way, of course. It it hasn't always been. But, yeah, essentially, you know, their makeup can vary and some rainbow families appear quite nuclear with a mum and a dad. But say, you know, one of those parents could be bisexual. So, you know, they could identify as a rainbow family if they they wished. So, yeah, whether or not they use that term is, of course, up to them. But for me, it's a broad term that describes anyone who whose parents or guardians don't fall in the you know LGBTIQA plus umbrella. So rainbow families can look lots of different ways as well. Absolutely. Um, We often talk with young people in the classes that I do, relationships Mm -hmm. and sexuality education, about fertility and reproduction. And so often younger children link the idea of being married to -hmm. start a family. Mm. That's not what we say in class, but it seems to be a narrative that young people have pretty firmly and a stereotype young people have firmly in their mind. Do you think that having marriage equality changes people's idea of family? I hope so, but I think it's important to point out, technically speaking, we don't have full marriage equality in Australia yet. Uh, There are some states and territories that make it really hard, not impossible for um, transgender people, for instance, to get um, ID documents in their affirmed gender identity. So they're left with a decision about whether or not to get married to the person they love uh, in their sex assigned at birth, which would be pretty awful, I imagine, um, or not get married at all. So I think, yeah, that's important to point out. But also, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that the backlash um, same-sex marriage campaign in Australia was hugely invasive. At the time, my family lived in the most progressive electorate in the country, um, which contained the most uh, yes votes. Um, but still our letterbox got hit with some anti-safe schools pamphlets um, with some ridiculous messaging around uh, that linked marriage equality to all kinds of nonsense. I won't repeat it, but um, some yes votes that I put up around my neighbourhood got torn down, sometimes more than once, and really was quite devastating. Uh, It really can't be overstated that the national debate was horrendous and it gave everyone, including the people who have, you know, vilified me or discriminated against me over the years, an equal vote and say about whether or not I could marry the person I loved. And that was hugely humiliating, really. Um, So although most states and territories now have marriage equality and it is a big deal, 
um, yeah, it certainly did come at a great cost. And to be honest, even today, four years on, um, it doesn't feel great knowing that four in 10 people thought my family is less than, you know, that's, that's not a good stat to be proud of when you think about it. But your question is about whether it, it, it has the potential to shift, especially children's, young people's attitudes about family. And yeah, I think it, it certainly will play a role and we'll see more evidence of that as the years go by. The truth is gaby babies, um, as they're affectionately called, have been a rising demographic in the country for a very long time and forming, forming families um, for decades. So we've always been there. Rainbow families have always been there in different ways, shapes and sizes. But now hopefully people will have more exposure to them and perhaps be more invited into their lives. Um, and even just the idea of attending a, a queer wedding and celebrating queer love in that really public way, uh, I think that's really hugely transformative. So sharing some of that joy, I hope, uh, you know, becomes infectious and, and actually plays a huge role in start, starting to break down those rigid views of what a proper or normal family is supposed to look like. Yeah, it's interesting. I have had that conversation with a young person in class who within my class sort of came to understand that same-sex couples were always allowed to make families um, mm -hmm. but they hadn't realized be because of that debate around same-sex marriage they mm -hmm. they just got the idea that before marriage you can't make a baby for young people especially I think it would it's a big um, uh, shift in realization yeah absolutely and it really speaks to you know the lack of diverse views of what makes a baby you know and going back to the as a sexuality educator um, you would know that you know the importance of inclusive sexuality education is so important because uh, it will absolutely play a role in broadening young people's uh, understanding of the diversity of, of families and baby making and birthing and the whole you know experience it's very unique um also pointing out that um heterosexual couples don't always get married to to make a baby as well of course. <laughs> yes yes absolutely not right. a direct pathway <laughs> no yeah that's right absolutely breaking down that that um yeah that perception is important yeah mm. um you mentioned a little bit about the discomfort around the debate around same-sex marriage um mm -hmm. are you able to describe any prejudice or judgment you have received because of the re relationship you're in or because of the structure of your family yeah certainly in the past I've um, been a recipient of prejudice and judgment because of the relationship I was in um so just a trigger warning of or sexual harassment. I remember walking down the street not far from Sydney's Oxford Street, uh, which is kind of ironic being the, you know, gay capital, I suppose, of the country, um, with my, my former partner. Um, I would have been probably around 19, 20 at the time. And a couple of guys were sort of following us and jeering a bit. Uh, we, we might have been kissing and holding hands and they were clearly very excited by our behaviour. Um, and at a crossing, um, one of them had the gumption to say, uh, I think lesbians are in need of a good dick. And my partner, who uh, had previously had sex with men, promptly replied, quite matter-of-factly, actually, I've slept with men and they didn't do it for me. 
and we kind of just walked off, leaving them a bit speechless and sort of chuck, we just chuckled and continued to hold hands and, you know, with our heads held high. So, you know, they could have gone uh, quite pear-shaped, clearly, but it was a reminder, I guess, uh, and perhaps one of my first obvious uh, experiences of being a direct target for my sexuality. And having those experiences don't really leave you uh, because even today, uh, and I should probably say I feel I'm incredibly, incredibly privileged. I'm middle class. I'm white or uh, I'm read as a white person. I'm cisgender. And, and importantly, I'm a very out and proud gay woman. But that lingering fear of stigma continues. And so, you know, it's almost like automatic pilot. I'm constantly assessing my environment when I go to grab my partner's hand in public. And, and the toll that, that those sorts of everyday experiences, whether they're you know, perceived or real microaggressions, uh, certainly does take a toll uh, on, on me and most people, I imagine, uh, who are queer. Um, but yeah, I, I, sh I really want to emphasise that personally, I'm very fortunate. My community has um, absolutely embraced me, my family, even my daughter's um, daycare has been really responsive and inclusive in their approach. Um, for Father's Day uh, for that week, um, we even brought in a book that we have featuring two gay dad penguins, uh, which is based on a true story of penguins in San Francisco. Yeah, and, and, and our rural town has just been remarkable. I've never felt more connected to my community than I have here. Um, and in fact, one neighbour for Mother's Day made us made my partner and I some homemade cupcakes and then this was before we even met her so it was just so lovely but yeah so I, I certainly am very aware of my privilege and how fortunate I am and I recognize that it can be quite unique and so I, I don't take that experience for mm. granted. You mentioned stigma or perception or fear about stigma were your parents worried that you would experience that when you came out to them or when you said you were starting a family to them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I came out to my mum, she probably took it the hardest, but importantly dealt with it the quickest, um, probably as a consequence of that, actually. Uh, she, she certainly expressed fear of me having a, a harder life. I remember as a maybe... 20 mid-20s something like that I had a pet bearded dragon uh, a lizard and I remember mum saying to me once Olivia maybe one day you'll have human babies <laughs> um, so that was really lovely you know to know that she had no longer uh, fear that my life wouldn't include children um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that when I came out what year would it have been like 2001 um yeah that was certainly her her perception of, of my future oh, um, we'd just be at a dragons from yeah that's right. yeah. i'd be a bit of dragon lady that's right <laughs> and similarly you know my younger sister um was really concerned about my child being discriminated against for having two mums and and she very early on like not long after i came out to her expressed her fear and said that in, to quote her, she said it would be slack if I had children. Um, and so that that was really hard to, to hear. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that it clearly didn't stop me from <laughs> having a child. Um, and I'm, I don't think she would have those views 
now but yeah certainly uh hearing them yeah, did did hurt and it's clearly yeah. panning out to be not the case that your daughter is experiencing those those difficulties Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, she's very articulate about having two mums, uh, very aware of the diversity of families. I mean, we've obviously made a conscientious effort to point out where families differ from the norm, the majority, you know, with our friends and and even in the books we read, that kind of stuff. Um, even just the other day, you know, it, it can be really simple. Um, we had a couple of king parrots eating uh, cherry tomatoes and uh there's there appeared to be a couple and a, a little baby parrot and i just without any judgment or anything in my voice just gentle curiosity i asked emily there's a couple there i think they're in love do you think they're two mummies or two daddies or a mummy and a daddy parrot and she said hmm i think it's a mum and a dad and i said hmm you're probably right one of our closest friends she's really beautiful she said you know things like Oh, she's just so lucky. Um, but she explained that her daughter wasn't satisfied with that really simplistic response. Like she's clearly craving more knowledge there about the how. How does Emily have two mums? You know, she didn't use that word, but clearly mm. that's after. Um, so again, going back to my point, you know, um, how uh, so many families are made in different ways. Babies can be made in different ways, but bringing it back to you know, those universal ideas of love and, you know, who was waiting for you to be born, uh, who was happy with you who was born, you know, that's what actually matters and that's what will rest every child when they contemplate their own uniqueness uh, and will validate their own experience. So, yeah, there are some really great children's books. I'm sure you're aware of them that do that work really well. Um, takes the onus of parents I suppose yeah. Um, but yeah certainly thinking that through I think is um is really important yeah. yeah and young people do have specific questions sometimes about how bodies work and how reproduction works and that's all part of that explanation absolutely. as well yeah absolutely that's right um what messages about family would you like for your daughter to get and your daughter's peers at school what would you want them to know about family yeah, just that every family is unique um, and what matters, of course, is, is love. I know it's a cliched sort of tagline, but, but love makes a family is, is a great motto reinforced in early education and primary settings. Um, as I said, our daughter is really articulate about um, having two mums. It's been great how it sparked a lot of great conversations with her peers and their parents and their families. And so I'd like to, I guess... My message is really about encouraging all families to just create that space, that open up that space to have those conversations with their children uh, and expose them to, to people who are different. And, you know, there's lots of diversity. We're all unique, but we also share a lot of experiences. Thank you so much for talking to me about your family and about Emily and good luck to all of you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Olivia for sharing so much about herself and her family for this interview. There's a few things that she said that really stood out to me. Debate around marriage equality has been distressing and difficult for same-sex attracted people and same-sex parented families. Early experiences of discrimination are hard to let go of. Love makes a family. Just mentioning a few resources. For more information about Family Planning Victoria, you can go to fpv.org.au. 
I mentioned the Australian Institute of Family Studies. They have some research available about same-sex parented families. Victorian Pride Centre is a hub for a range of LGBTIQA plus focused organisations, so that's a great resource. Minus 18 is a fantastic resource for young LGBTIQA plus people and their families. You can follow Family Planning Victoria on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Contact me directly at doingit at fpv.org.au. You can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Like it if you like it. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.